We are in week four of this series on choices. Choices lead to every change that you desire in your life. You want something to change in your life? You know what it's going to require? Some choices. We also know that things happen to us in life that we didn't choose. It wasn't a choice. It was imposed or inflicted on us. And even when we have changes we didn't choose, we still have choices. So learning to make great choices, learning to make great choices is what's going to enable you to live a great life. And so that's what we're talking about for several weeks. Let me ask you a fundamental question about your life. Let's just kick it off with a question. Do you ever wonder, is this all there is? Have you ever thought to yourself, is there something more? And let me give you a spoiler alert. There is something more. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the more. We're going to talk about the missing part in so many lives, the missing essence in the story of so many people. And I'm just going to tip my hand. I'm just going to give it to you right at the start. It's a deeper relationship with God. And I also want you to know what's coming today. You're going to have an opportunity to make a choice about God today, to make a choice about your relationship with Him. This is the core decision that actually informs the basis for the rest of your life. And remember, we make our choices, and our choices, what? Our choices make us. Choices are incredibly important. We know that. But the problem is most of us don't have a skill set where we consistently make good choices. And so that's why we're taking a lot of weeks here, two months here, and we're learning to pre-choose ahead of time the important choices in life. This is a big principle that we learned all the way back in week one, that if we choose ahead of time how we're going to act, what we're going to do in certain situations in life, we'll consistently make better choices. Because if we wait till the moment, if we wait till the heat of the moment, if we wait till we feel pressure, then we typically make our worst choices then. Would you agree with that? Like, man, when I've been under the gun, when I didn't really think about it, when I was caught off guard, my choices weren't really, really good. That makes sense, right? Makes sense. Last week, we looked at the choice to be consistent. Today, we're going to look at the choice to be devoted. Here's the choice that I'm going to be teaching. With God's help, I will be devoted to Jesus in all that I do. With God's help, I will be devoted to Jesus in all that I do. Now, you go through the scriptures and you see that this is actually a repeated theme. Even Jesus taught that he needs to be the center of our attention. Here's how Jesus said it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then, this is an inter interesting phrase, then all these other things, all these other things will be given to you as well. We seek God first, right? That's very, very clear. When we're devoted to God, when we're devoted to his kingdom first, then all the other things, what is that? What are all the other things? It's everything you search for in your life. It's everything that you believe matters. In your life. It's everything that truly brings fulfillment in your life. It's everything that makes a difference for your good in your life. When you seek God first, all that you need also comes with Him when you make Him first in your life. So today, we're going to learn how to seek the one 
who matters most. How many of you are ready to dig into this? Yeah? And the rest of you just hang in there because I'm not quitting anyway. All right? All right? Raises a question. It raises a question. What does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? What does it mean to be devoted to the Son of God? Let me give you some context from part of the ancient Christian scriptures. It's a book of the Bible called the Acts of the Apostles. And you see these first believers, these first followers of Jesus. You see this first gathering of people that was like the first church. And you need to know, when we meet these people in this part of the Bible, they had already seen Jesus crucified, and then 500 eyewitnesses saw him raised from the dead. They talked with him after he came back to life. They interacted with Jesus, and then they saw him ascend to heaven, and then they're gathered together, and then the Bible says they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's when the church started. And interestingly to me, one of the first things we're told about this first church, these men and women who actually saw Jesus and knew him and touched him and laughed with him and followed him, one of the first things we're told about them is exactly what they were devoted to. Look what the Bible says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone around them was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were teaching about Jesus. They were teaching about the life he lived. They didn't have a Bible yet. You know that, right? There was no Bible yet. So what they were teaching about, the apostles' teaching that's being referred to here, was teaching them about Jesus. We want you to come to know Jesus. And then the scripture says they fellowship together. That means, you know, a couple fellows in the same ship. I mean, they're in this together, right? They're breaking bread. That means it's kind of like a life group. They're doing life. They're having meals together, and then they're completely devoted to prayer. This word devotion is interesting. They were devoted to the things that made them closer to God. They were seeking first Jesus and his kingdom and the righteous life that he wants us to live. And then God added everything else. Like we saw that they were effective in ministry. I mean, there's miracles that were apparently happening in that first church. And people were in awe. That means they were influenced by what was happening in the lives of Christians. All because they were first seeking the one who matters most. It's the power of devotion. The Greek word that's translated as devoted is a really cool word. It comes in the imperfect tense, and that's fancy. But all that means is the action of the word is ongoing. In other words, their devotion was not a one-time event. It was not a once and done. It was continual devotion. It could be translated, they were continually devoted to these things of God. It, it, it's, it's not like, disciples today like people who follow christ today it's, it's more like this yeah well i gave my life to jesus you know years ago check that's done and then we're disconnected from that and then we just go on and live our life yeah i was baptized check that's done but then we're disconnected from that and then we go on and live our life yeah i used to serve in the church but that season's over check and then we're disconnected from that and then we go on and live our lives what i want you to understand is that's not what's being described here That's not what the first Christians did. The word that's used is ongoing devotion. They had a single-minded, 
ongoing connection to Jesus. We seek first the one who matters most. And then we continue to seek first the one who matters most. How many of you are still with me? Haven't lost anybody yet? We've come a long way from those days. We've come a long way from that kind of devotion. It's been replaced by kind of a casual, cultural Christianity. You know, we're Christians. Christians say, yeah, I don't talk about Jesus much. I don't think about Jesus much. I don't participate much. And as a consequence, like if we look at it culturally, as a consequence, the power of the church isn't much. I was listening to a podcast that our executive pastor Donna sent to me this week. It was so kind of haunting in its implications. And it was talking about the numbers of people leaving the church in greater numbers than any time in the history of the church. And the pandemic didn't help because a lot of people who were on the brink of leaving just decided not to come back, just not coming back. And we think about why isn't there more good in our world? Why isn't there more influence in our world? Why does it seem that evil is prevailing and goodness is lacking? And it's because of the influence of the church. The influence of the church isn't much. The reach of the church isn't much when, what? When Jesus isn't much. I thought, how can I illustrate this? How can we kind of do an assessment today. How can we each kind of take a look inside and see where we are on this devotion thing? This isn't to make you feel bad. This is to motivate you, I hope. So the idea I came up with was, what? let's just suppose I pulled out of my pocket a stack of $1 bills, and we count them, and what we discover is that I have 168 $1 bills. Now, why would I have 168 $1 bills? Because this represents one week of your life. And in one week of your life, you have 168 hours. So I've got this stack of $168 bills, probably about that thick, right? $168 bills. That represents each dollar bill, one hour of your life for a whole week. You with me? We're going to do some high math here. Hang on. Maybe throw in some calculus. No, we won't. No, we won't. If you're devoted to something, I think you would probably agree that you would tend to devote your time to that which you're devoted to. Would you agree with that? Like if I'm devoted to something, that's going to show up in how I spend my time. So I want you to do a little math. How are you spending your stack of 168 hours a week? And I can help you answer that because I've done a little research on it. For most of you in the room, unless you have sleep apnea, a third of that time is spent sleeping. Some of you are doing it right now. I heard someone's alarm just go off. Like, I'm in church, wake up. Right? Out of 168, that would be 56 hours. If we're using our stack of dollar bills, it's just gone down by a third, $56. We're down from 168 minus 56, we're down to 112. Then you spend another chunk of your time. It's actually another third of your time going to work, going to school, which leaves you 56 flexible hours remaining. We start with 168. We've slept. 
We've gone to work or school. We've got 56 hours left. Now, how many of you are on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn? Like, how many? Come on. I see you on there. Raise your hand. Because I'm on there. You know how much time the average social media user spends online? 17 hours a week. 17 hours a week. So you take 17 off that 56. Now we're down to 39 for what I'm going to call the other stuff. And we all have other stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have other stuff. We, we all have other stuff. Right? you got to take your kids to dance and piano. You have to go back and pick them up. You can't leave them there. They've got algebra lessons. you got to help them with homework. you got to get gas in your car. you got to wash your car. you got to go to the grocery store. you got to cook the groceries. you got to eat the groceries. you got to clean up after you've eaten the groceries. you got to fix up your house. you got to pay your bills. you got to pay your taxes. You're doing yoga down dog. I mean, you're doing all this stuff. You're binge watching. I mean, it's just like that's your other stuff, right? And we all have other stuff. Say it. We all have other stuff. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now we're down to one hour left. Started with 168. That one flimsy dollar left. One hour of our week left. What are we going to do with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. I'm a Christian. I guess I, I guess that goes to God. Because I'm a Christian. Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating. A little bit. Some of you devote more than an hour a week in your relationship with the Lord. But there are a lot of people who live awfully close to what I just described and would still call themselves devoted. Now remember, we're talking about devotion. Some people in our culture who would say, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus, don't even give an hour a week in terms of nurturing and enjoying and experiencing a relationship with Jesus Christ. And to state what's really obvious, if you invest an hour a week in anything, you're probably not going to grow in that thing or improve in that thing significantly because an hour a week is just not that much time. I mean, you try to learn computer coding, you're not really going to learn it. You're not going to become proficient in it if all you give to learning computer coding is an hour a week. You try to learn business or entrepreneurship just giving an hour a week. You're barely going to scratch the surface of business principles. You can't build a business with just an hour a week if you exercise. Only an hour a week and you sit on the couch the rest of the week, you won't be in peak shape. Oh, you'll have a shape. It's round. You'll, you'll have a shape. You just won't be in shape. Who's tracking with me? Don't point at people. That's rude. That's rude. You only spend an hour a week in the same room as your spouse. Someone said, that sounds like heaven. Don't say that. That's not nice. That's not nice. Hour a week with your spouse, you're not going to have a dream marriage. 
If you're in college or grad school and you only attend class and study and take tests and all add it up an hour a week, you're not going to pass. So if we only partially, partially give a little bit of time to God when it's easy or convenient, when we don't have anything else to do, we wonder, why is my life not improving? Why can't I get over that one sin that I just keep doing over and over again? Like, I, I want to get rid of that bad habit, and it just keeps, you know, chasing me. Is it any wonder we don't share our faith or talk to our friends about Jesus? Is it any wonder we're more concerned what people think about us than what God thinks about us? Is it any wonder we find ourselves lukewarm and wondering... Is there anything else? Is there something more in life? If we only give God our leftovers, we have to ask ourselves, are we really devoted? Now, we might have a semblance of something, but we're talking about devotion. If we want to live a life fully devoted to Jesus, what I want you to know is it's not going to happen by accident, right? It's not going to happen by giving him our leftovers, because everything else will crowd him out. There's no one who ever says, you know, I was just kind of going through life, I was just kind of going with the flow, and accidentally, I became spiritually strong. Not going to happen. Whoa, I mean, I don't know what happened. I'm just like, close to God all of a sudden. Woke up one day, I knew the Bible. I don't know how that happened. I'm a missionary. Where'd that come from? It's not how it happens. You won't be who I think you want to be in your devotion to God accidentally. You have to choose to be devoted. We're talking about choices, right? We have to choose to be devoted. I have to want to choose to have an ongoing, single-minded pursuit of a relationship with Jesus. So how do we do that? How do I choose to be devoted to Jesus? Well, I want to start to answer that by telling you a little story that Jesus told. When Jesus taught, Jesus always taught with stories or metaphors or he gave examples from real life that everybody who was listening could relate to. And on this particular day, I think they were probably near a vineyard because vineyards were very common, very present. Everybody would have understood vineyards. And Jesus used a vineyard. And he said to his, you know, this crowd that was with him, he said, I am the vine. They would have understood that. The vines that grow, that thick root that comes out of the ground, that grows in a vineyard. And you are the branches, those little branches. And then the grapes hang from the branches. So you've got the vine, you've got the branches. On the end of the branches, you have the fruit. How many have just gotten an agricultural, yeah, a bit of understanding there, right? Jesus said, if you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear this fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, let's illustrate this. Jesus said, I'm the vine. And what are you? And you're the branches. Let's make sure we understand our role in this story. Jesus is the, and I am the. So here's the key. When you're the branch, you're connected to Jesus, the vine. And what happens is 
you produce spiritual fruit. Now, if you weren't, you know, familiar with this concept of spiritual fruit, the Bible actually answers the question, what is spiritual fruit? It's in another part of the Christian New Testament. Spiritual fruit was things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Like if you want to think about an ideal life, have a lot more love in it. Have a lot more joy in it. Have a lot more peace in it. Have a lot more gentleness in it. Have a lot more faithfulness in our world, right? These are the kinds of things we want in our life. We wonder why we don't have them in our life. And Jesus just said, that's what happens in your life. This is where it comes from, Jesus said, if you're connected to me. Jesus was talking about the greatest connection that we can possibly have in our life. Greatest connection is not good Wi-Fi. That's not your greatest connection. It's not the connection to your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your spouse or your children or your parent. Those are great connections. They're just not the greatest connection. When we connect to Jesus like a branch is grown together into the vine, our life starts to be full of what? matters. It starts to be filled with what lasts. It has spiritual fruit. That's why Jesus said, branches, remember our part where the branches, Jesus said, remain in me because he's the vine. Stick with me. He's the vine. Stay connected to me because he's the vine. And he said, when you do, I'll hang on to you too. The word remain, it's an important word. The word remain in the Greek is the word meno, meno, and it means to live inside of, to take your dwelling with. Meno, remaining, it's not one hour a week. Then you disconnect. Oh, I read a couple verses in the Bible. Then you disconnect. Go to church. Then you disconnect from God. Full devotion is remaining. Full devotion is remaining. To get back to Jesus' metaphor of vine and branches and to state again the obvious, the branch needs the vine. Do you understand that? The branch needs the vine. If you don't stay connected as a branch to the vine, you're just a dead limb. You can't have life. You've lost your life source. The source of the very life that you and I were created to live, the source of all the greatness and all the potential that resides within you, the source of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, the source of all of that, Jesus said, is Him. Without Him, living in Him, taking our dwelling with Him, remaining in Him, we lose the spiritual quality. We lose the quantum quality of life. But to remain in him, and I love this about him, he allows us to choose. He's not a vine that runs around and grabs you and just forces you to stay connected with him. It's why we have to choose. You have to choose. I have to choose that I'm not going to let disconnection happen. 
I have to choose. You have to choose. I will seek first the one who matters most. Who's with me so far? When you get quiet, I don't know. <laughs> don't know what's going on. Let me give you your assignment. You have one assignment. Stay connected. Stay connected. I mean, this is really what it's all about. I'll seek first the one who matters most, and having sought him, then I will remain in him. I'm not going to disconnect from my life source. Let's suppose you're on life support at the hospital. That's stupid. I'll just try it on my own. Well, something's stupid in that room, but it's not the machine, right? We need life support. He's our life source. So we have to get tactical. I want to get a little tactical and practical. I want to use our remaining time for you to learn how to seek God and then remain in him. Remember what we read in the Bible already. We read, seek first the kingdom of God. We seek him first. And then we read, remain in him like a branch remains in the vine. We've read that, right? But a lot of people don't know how. So check your notes because I'm just going to walk you right through it. First, I have to begin with a time every day to meet with God. I have to begin every day to meet with God. I have to have a time to meet with God. This is way different than giving God our leftovers. Like, I'll just get to the end of the week, and if I have any time left, I'll give that to God. No, that's not what I'm talking about. If I want to spend time with Karen, I'm not going to wait until everything happens all week long, and I see if I can fit her in. That's probably not going to end well for me, is it, baby? Probably not going to end well for me. Hey, baby, here's my leftovers. Here's my emotional crumbs. Here's my tidbit of fading energy. Sweetheart, I'm offering you the last and worst part of me. <laughs> not going to end well. What are we going to do instead? And we do this. It's intentional in our marriage. We choose time every day. We choose time every day to connect, catch up, share what's going on, ask each other about each other's life. What are you feeling? What are you needing? I mean, that, we do that every day. We call it staying current. We stay current. We don't disconnect. We don't allow drift to happen. Remain connected. And this is what you do in your relationship with the Lord. Now, I don't know what your time of day would be. I don't know what it would be. Maybe it's before your kids get up. That's the best time for you. And that's when you spend time with Jesus. Maybe it's over your first cup of coffee because you don't want to spend time with anybody till you had your first cup of coffee. And then you spend time with Jesus, right? Might be before you go to the gym. It might be after you go to the gym. It might be when you get your kids in bed. Whenever it is, it needs to be selected and protected. Like this is my time with the Lord. This is when I meet with Jesus. It needs to be selected and protected. Say it. It needs to be selected and protected. Whenever it is, it's a predetermined time where you 
choose ahead of time when you're going to be spending time with God every day in the coming week, when you're going to talk to him, when you're going to sit in his presence, because he's going to be right there in the room with you. And, and, and maybe you're going to read his love story to you. That's what the Bible is. It's a story of God's love for you. And it's in the intercourse of that conversation, in the presence of the Lord, where you're going to renew your vows of love to him and renew words of devotion to him. And let him know you're making him first and reestablishing that branch vine connection, your life source. You get this, right? Thank you. He gets it. He's my hero. You have a selected and protected time. Then I'm going to select a place every day where I meet with God. A place every day where I meet with God. Choose a place. I know a guy, and his place is on his knees beside his bed. That's his place. That's where he meets with God. And he's done it for a long time. It might be just sitting at your kitchen table. That's your place. It might be on your back patio. That's your place. It might be if you've got little kids, it's in the bathroom with the door locked. That's your place. Little fingers coming under the door. Mommy, you in there? But that's your place because it's the only time you can really meet with God, right? I have a chair in my office, and it is a beautiful, beautiful place for me to meet with the Lord every morning. It's our special place. And I look forward to meeting Him in that place every morning. It's a special time every day. Special time every day and a special place every day. And then in that time, I have a plan for the times I meet with God. I have a plan for the times I meet with God. Meaning if it's important to you, you're not going to just show up and say, well, what are we going to do today? It's not that. Have a plan. How are you going to use that time? For some people, they have a Bible reading plan where they systematically are reading different parts of the Bible. You can Google this. You can get a plan to read through the whole Bible in a year or read through the New Testament 90 days. You can just Google that. They're online. You can just find a reading plan. And, and you, that's going to be part of your plan when you're meeting with God. But I want you to hear me. Reading the Bible is not the same thing as being connected to Jesus. You have to intentionally make that connection. When you read the Bible... You have to understand that it's a conversation you're having with him. So that while you're reading, you're listening for what he's saying to you. And you're speaking back to him based on what he's saying to you. And now a conversation is happening. He's holding your hand while you're reading. His arm is draped over your shoulder. Like you have to understand, I'm not just reading a book here. I want this to be connected to my relationship with Jesus. Does this make sense to you? Because I know people, and they say, yeah, I read the Bible. Well, what did it say? I don't know. Well, why do you do it? I don't know. You're not having a relationship with Jesus in that. It's all got to be about Jesus. I know people who have a journaling plan. Like they write down their thoughts while they're in that quiet space with God. Like, what do they sense God saying? Like, what's on their heart about that? Some people write out their prayers so they can remember when they ask God for something. And then when God answers the prayer, they go back in their journal and then 
They write the date that God answered the prayer, and then in their time with God, they're giving thanks. God, I, I, three months ago I asked for this, and it happened. And I just want to praise you. for. Is this making sense? Like part of your plan, you know, you're writing this stuff out. You might have a podcast that you listen to. You might have worship songs that you listen to. Any number of things, but what you've done when you do this You've made a choice. You've made several, actually. You've chosen a time. You've chosen a place. And you've chosen a plan. Because, see, we have 168 hours during our week. And we determine we're not going to give God our leftovers. So when we walk through our week, we're going to schedule our time with God first. We're going to seek first the one who matters most. This is a mindset of priority, of what really matters. It's how you think. Now, I want to give you some fair warning. This can get weird. Because for some of you, it's going to be new. So I'll just tell you how it's going to feel and look. So you're not overly weirded out. What happens is when you're seeking Jesus, weird spiritual things start to happen. Like he starts to convict you about some things that are wrong in your life that he wants you to change. You mean that's going to happen? I hope it does. Right? You wash your clothes, don't you? Hope you do. <laughs> we want to be washed too. So we're going to start being aware of how he wants to shape our life. We're going to start being aware of how he wants to renew our life. And not only are you going to start having these weird experiences, you're going to start doing weird stuff. Like being nice. That's going to be really weird for some of you. Right? Being loving. Being generous. You're going to start to have joy. People at work are going to say, what's wrong with her? And it's going to be because every day, at a chosen time, in a chosen place, with a chosen plan, you've been with him. And it's this full devotion that starts to matter. And you'll notice that this experience lingers through the day. You just start getting used to knowing that he's right there. You just get used to talking to him and listening in your heart for anything that he wants to say to you or lead you to do. So all through the day, you're seeking first the one who matters most. You're talking to Jesus, listening to God. He starts to impact your life. He starts to give you wisdom. He starts to give you the words that you need to say in a hard conversation. He teaches you how to be an encouragement to the people around you. He's a leader in your life because you're becoming fully devoted to Jesus. What you've done, what you've done, you've chosen devotion. You have chosen devotion. You chose because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done for you that you will seek him first. This past week on a podcast that I follow, this big, big, tough guy that I listen to, he was on the brink of tears, his whole podcast, because he was sharing about a dear friend a young woman that he mentored in business who had just passed away from severe, aggressive cancer. By the time they found her cancer, it was already well advanced. She was in her 30s. 
And this man, this tough guy, he talked about the moment he got a text from her. He knew she was in the hospital. He knew she wasn't doing well. And her text said, the doctors told me I have only maybe two days. Maybe two days. Young 30s. Successful in business. Healthy in every way, it seemed. She just found the love of her life. And she gets the news, two more days. And this guy said, seeing someone who seemed so invincible, he said, it brought me once again to a sense of urgency, to a place where I needed to pause and look at my own life and ask, what do I believe deep down in my heart? What really, really matters in life? What is it that will outlast my time on earth, what matters most? And he said, I want to devote my life to that. Not something that's self-centered. Not something that's just easy. And that podcast moved me. And I knew for me that I'm going to give my 168 hours a week to stuff that matters. And I want to challenge you on this. Because you count on me to tell you the truth. You jump online. You show up in this room. Because you know you're made for more. You know greatness is in you. You want to live your life for God's highest and best for you. And you want some help with that. And my life's purpose is to help you do that. So I have to tell you the truth today. Nothing matters more than seeking Jesus first and making Jesus Christ first in your life. Nothing matters more than becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. When we don't give our attention to the one who matters most, we've made a bad choice. So we choose a time, we choose a place, we choose a plan. It's all about choices. You want a better life, Make better choices. Choose to keep Jesus first. So to that end, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Like before your kid's schedule drowns Jesus out this week, before work piles up this week, before your friends take you away for five weekends in a row, before all that, I want you to choose right now. I want you to choose right now. Who is going to be first in your life. So let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Jesus, I need you right now. I need you to stay connected to me, and I'm going to remain in you. You are the source of my life. And I know when I'm connected to you, there's more love in my life, there's more joy in my life. There's more peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's more of that in my life. So right now, I'm not going to wait till tomorrow because I already know what's important tomorrow. You're important tomorrow. So I'm choosing today, Jesus, to seek you first, the one who matters most. Because I'm devoted to you and my life will show it. I'm devoted to you, Jesus, and my life will show it. I want us to say this together. I'm devoted to you, Jesus, and my life will show it. Say it. I'm devoted to you, Jesus, and my life will show it.
So God, we pray today that there would be some powerful spiritual choices made. Help us commit, God, not to give you what's left over, but to make you the driving force of our life, the ongoing single pursuit, the devotion of our hearts. And we pray this in your name. Amen.